2: you <Bash> <Gedanken soul> This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slomans. Low prices, zero sacrifices. For a hundred years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866- oil deal. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store and nissan.com today
1: welcome back to new york game day here on 98.7 fm new york my name is imani toomer joined by mike tannenbaum and mike you had some very very interesting comments about daniel jones and his status as a quarterback i've always thought like quarterbacks who get paid a lot of money who are supposed to be franchise quarterbacks not saying daniel jones isn't but i'm just saying generally uh, they used to have to get their teams out of the top five in the draft for them to really keep them their status as what they are supposed to be franchise quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's just stick to the facts, right? I think we should be a data-driven conversation show based on the facts, and it's not who yells the loudest. It's, <laughs> well, let's just look at the facts and the yeah,
1: facts. You're- and you're they are good.
0: what they are, right? I mean, yeah. let's just go by what we see. The old Coach Parcells went, let's go by what we see. Mm-mm. And when we look at Daniel Jones's performance, it's just not good enough by, by any metrics. And, um, look, I, I've been on the right – like, I'm good friends with Brian Dayball. I think he's a great guy. I've worked with him. Um, it's nothing personal. You just look at how Daniel Jones has played. He is injury-prone. He makes too many turnovers, and he's egregiously overpaid by any metrics. And when you look at guys like Baker Mayfield at $4 million a year or Josh Dobbs, candidly, at the minimum, they are outplaying him. So not even factoring in the objective way they're playing, you would certainly say that this year Daniel Jones isn't as good as those players. And then when you layer in the fact that next year he's going to be guaranteed $36 million, he's overpaid. He's not durable, and he hasn't been productive this year. So, if I'm the Giants, I have massive question marks at that position. And in what? And you know this, Imani, based on who you play with. In Eli Manning, Daniel Jones coming at, um, came out in 2019. He's only played in a full season one time. So that is another concern when we layer on all the other variables in this discussion.
1: Yeah, well, let's get some insight by the Giant reporter, Jordan Renan. uh, The the Renan report brought to you by Sansone Automall. uh, Automall, excuse me. Jordan, uh, what do you say about this uh, discussion, this heated discussion, a little bit heated this morning? Yeah. But I loved it. It was spicy, and I love the facts, and I love the fact that, you know, you're talking to a general manager who is, uh, in, in Mike Tannenbaum, who is you know they, they don't get they don't their pom poms they don't get all caught up on these players they just look at the facts and they I love the way we get a different perspective on on how yeah. people okay. look at players because it's not fantasy this is you know real life they put their Mike has put his livelihood on the line many times in, in drafting players and it's just a different a uh, different way of looking at things what what about what do you say yeah. Jordan
2: Look, a
3: lot of what he says is, like you said, it's hard to argue the numbers are what they are this year. Now, we have to see that the reality is Daniel Jones will be the team's quarterback this year and into next year, right? That, that's, that's the reality. So, I think what we do need to see, and Mike knows if it is a small sample size, though, what we've seen this year is how he's going to play the rest of the year when he comes back and when the offensive line settles down. Because you could bring up those guys you brought up before, you know, the Baker Mayfields of the world, and you tell me, how, how would Baker Mayfield have looked and performed if he's playing behind the offensive line and with the, you know, with the Giants at this, at this time against the you know, competition that he's played? We could sit here and bring up the numbers, but they're clearly not apples to apples, right, Mike? I mean, if you, if you put any of those other guys you named who we consider lesser players and they were playing against uh, behind the offensive line that they have with the Giants, they would have looked equally as bad. I mean, Baker Mayfield has look awful at times in his career, but he's he's in a little bit better situation right now. So that's why you're seeing, I think, better performance. But uh, yeah, actually, that, he's that, not that,
0: wrong. That, yeah, not, Jor- go ahead. Jordan. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. But actually, that part's just not true. Like, we could go look at C.J. Stroud and the Houston offensive line and missing Titus Howard, Laramie Tunsil, and the way C.J. Stroud's playing. We certainly can compare the Giants' offensive line to to Arizona's offensive line with... Beyond Paris Johnson, to me, is you know below average at best. So, like, I think Daniel Jones certainly has not been helped by the inconsistencies at the offensive line. But if you look at specifically Tampa Bay, which is in a massive rebuild, leading the league in dead money, Houston, who's missed most of their offensive line this year, most notably Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsell. and then Arizona, who has uh, Freehold Elijah Wilkinson and Will Hernandez as their guards, a rookie at right tackle, and Josh Dobbs who's making $900,000 a year, I I give Daniel Jones a slight uh, acknowledgement of offensive line play, but in the sample set of what we're talking about, those other offensive lines aren't great either.
4: I
3: think you're underestimating the problems and the depths of where the Giants' offensive line is. The line they started last week is, there's no way any other team in the league is putting out a line at the level of the Giants, but they have they had four guys on the line last week that aren't even NFL starters. I mean, easily. I mean, you could you could just go down that line. They're, they they it's bad. I mean, guys that really shouldn't even be on the field right now in the NFL at multiple positions. So we could sit here and and, and argue about that all day, but I, I just think I think you're a little bit underestimating just how hard uh, the situation is for them right now. I mean. The pressures were are, are untenable at times. Now, has he played well? You're, I, I agree with you. He hasn't. And when you talk about the amount of money he makes compared to the production he's given, no, it has not been worth it. And uh, unless he plays better, we're, we, this isn't even a conversation because they're going to be looking for a new quarterback when they, you know when they're pick, if they're picking and when they're picking in the top
1: five. Yeah, I mean, one of the best ways to improve your team you know, generically, right, is you get you hit on one of these quarterbacks early, they're price fixed for the first five years of their career and, and while you're price yep. fixed that quarterback, usually the most expensive position, you're able to get free agents, supplement all the holes on your team and kind of build up the entire roster around him. We know one thing that the quarterback himself cannot make a team uh, a great if he's not to that level of, of an Aaron Rodgers or one of these these uh, you know the Justin Herberts or you know the, the 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 quarterbacks that are elite. But when you start making elite yeah. money, you have to be a player that can do a lot with a little. And um, not not to say Daniel Jones is getting elite money because he's not. It's it's kind of sad to say the quarterback market has gone crazy when 40 million million is a middle of the road quarterback salary but when you have an opportunity to take to pick in the top 5 if they are if the season continues to go down it it wouldn't be a great business decision to i mean it would be it wouldn't be smart if you didn't at least you know pick a quarterback in the first round and or in the top pick that you ever had that you have and that can, you know, look what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals and, and Joe Burrow. I mean, that team was nowhere. And all of a sudden, they got a quarterback. They, everything, things start turning around a little bit.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, roster construction-wise, if you have that cheap quarterback, it changes everything. And that, if that in an ideal world, that's what you'd love to have. So the problem is, A, you got to have the right guy. And B, you have to have a high enough pick to get there. So yeah. we'll see where they kind of land. I do think... As everybody gets healthier, you know there's a good chance Saquon plays today. Um, Andrew Thomas is probably a few weeks out, so as they do get healthier, I do think you're going to see a better version of the Giants. The, the level of competition also so, starts dipping. Right this week, Buffalo. Jordan,
1: somebody, uh, the biggest. I'm sorry to cut you out. So you sorry. I just wanted to jump on with something what you said before. Mike hopped in again with another question. So Saquon is looking optimistic to play today.
3: Yes. Yeah, I, that's kind of where it stands right now. We're going to still see. I think it's more still of a game time decision. See how he feels when he goes out there and moves before the game. But there's a good, there's a better chance this week for sure than there has been in the last few weeks that they do get Saquon back. Darren Waller is going to play, even though he has a groin injury. Uh, we're likely to see Justin Pugh play uh, at guard, given their offensive line situation. Uh, one week, with basically, of practice, two weeks actually. This was the second week, but this was the first week he got in any padded practice uh, off a ACL injury last year, and there's a good chance you see him starting at guard today. So uh, clearly, you're going to see as we get it move forward here a little healthier version of the Giants. But they're still that 15 point underdogs. That's going to be the biggest underdog going off this year out of any team in the NFL.
0: Yeah, and you know what's interesting is Buffalo's really beat up too. You know, like they. they, yeah, they, they are. They have consequential injuries, you know, most notably with Matt Milano and Davis, White. That's right. Yeah. That's why I'm not, one yeah, to, mostly
3: defensively.
0: Yeah, I'm not one to make excuses because you, you give me the team and I can tell you, look, look at the Philadelphia Eagles today. They're going to be missing, you know, a couple of their best players, most notably Jalen Carter, you know, Darius Slay, a difference-making corner. You know, like every week teams are going to have injuries. Um, and part of the definition of greatness is to make those around you better. And when you're paying a quarterback – $40 million a year, your job is to make those around you better. So, um, you know, again, we could see it differently, but I, I get the fact that the Giants have had injuries just like every other team in the NFL, um, and your job description is to get your team in the end zone. You know, another example of this, guys, was Caleb Williams last night. You know, Caleb Williams threw three interceptions against a good Al Golden coach, you know, a pro coach at Notre Dame. Like he, Like, to me, he'll still be the first pick in the draft, but, like, it just – he had an opportunity to cement himself as the number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy winner, on the road against a good Notre Dame team, and he didn't. So um, it'll it will be interesting. Like, I, I think, you know, getting back to tonight's game, Jordan, like, if Saquon plays, I assume that, that says that he'll – what? They're going to run the ball a ton with Tyrod at center?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to try and run the ball a ton, even with or without Saquon, I, you know – they found out the last couple of weeks what happens is they, you, they try and go back and pass in straight passing situations. I don't think uh, anybody has a chance to do anything. I mean, even in, I believe Tyrod had like 12 dropbacks against uh, Miami, and he was pressured on eight of the 12. I mean, which is just, that's untenable. I don't care who you are. So if they go back in straight passing situations with Tyrod, He'll be running for his life, and you uh, have to worry about if he can even make it through the game. If that's the case, so yeah, a lot of running, slow the game down. Uh, we said this for weeks, but they just they hadn't been able to do it. I think with Saquon back, it gives them a much better chance.
1: So when you look at this defensive side of the ball, and one of the things that's been most surprising to me is, you know, you have the, the defensive line, the interior guys, big sexy. You got big uh, the uh, Williams from the, that we acquired from uh, the Jets. I, and then uh, you know Thibodeau, of course, who's been coming on as of late. But Ogilary, mm-hmm. like, where? What is going on on that side of the ball where they can't stop the run and the pressure on quarterbacks? I mean, you got quarterbacks back there eating eating uh, box lunches, you know, with the ones with the with the. Uh, you know, with, with the tablecloth and everything, there, there's very little pressure on these quarterbacks. And it just it's a total dichotomy from what happened last year. And is it a function of people are understanding Wink Martindale's approach to, to try and pressure? Because it's not because they're not trying to put pressure on the quarterbacks. It's just they're just not getting there.
3: Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Performance hasn't been great. Uh, level of competition obviously has been much better than it was last year. Right, two of the last three games are with San Francisco and uh, Miami. You can make the argument the two best offenses in the league. Uh, so yeah, you know, in that step up in class, we talked about it last year, and you know, a lot of people thought that sort of Minnesota and the Giants were were on were frauds, right? Let's be frank. That's what a lot of people thought, and it's turning out that a lot of that was probably true they got the the level of competition played a huge part they won a lot of games and an inordinate amount of close games and they weren't as good as we thought so i think that is the case here as well um i mean to me it comes back to the roster again you mentioned all those names and mike even mentioned you know other teams you know filling in for like the eagles for jalen carter and darius like their depth though is just so much better than the giants. I always thought that was a big problem with this team coming in. And so, you know, you have Dexter Lawrence and you have Leonard Williams, but what do we what do we have behind them? Like that's a position that teams like like the Eagles, they like to have just do line shifts on the defensive line. Even with stud defensive line, the giants after those two guys, I think the drop off is just huge. You know, Sean Robinson, uh he's getting up there. He hasn't proven to be a uh a big, uh, off-season signing. Raheem uh, Nunez Rochus, same thing. Uh, so they just haven't been able to, uh, get enough out of the other guys, right? I think we're seeing a little bit better version of Kayvon Thibodeau in recent weeks. So that's helping a little bit. Aziz Ojalari's injured. They have nothing there behind him. I mean, they literally have gotten nothing from Jihad Ward and, uh, boogie Basham Um, and the guys that are filling in there. So, uh, I, I think it's a, partly a talent problem and partly a level of competition.
1: Oh, well, thanks a lot, Jordan. That's the Jordan Renan Report, uh, brought to you by Sansun Auto Mall. Discover, your, discover for yourself the S, savings in Sansun. Uh, Sansun at uh, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. They're overstocked with the Wrangler 4E models, and they all must go. Route 1 in Woodbridge, New Jersey, or shop online at sansun.net. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll we'll come right back. We're going to go around the the league. Stay tuned right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.
2: Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Tumor, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks.
6: You're listening to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. I want to thank uh, Jordan Renan for joining us. It's time for Around the League, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Uh, so, gentlemen, a lot of news to get to. We'll go back and forth. I'll tee you both up on these. Mike, let's start with you. Deshaun Watson making $230 million. Um Reports out of Cleveland, their medical staff said, "Oh, a okay, he can play." Didn't play last week. Not going to play this week. They're aiming for week seven. What can you tell us? What do you know about Deshaun Watson? Is this a complete disaster?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. You know, we've talked a lot today about um, you know quarterback salaries and things like that. And unfortunately, for other quarterbacks who are aspiring to get fully guaranteed contracts, clubs are going to say, "Hey, look, look what happened in Cleveland." You know, right now it's an unmitigated disaster. Um, You know, they obviously gave up multiple first-round picks and $230 million of fully guaranteed money. And, um, you know, it's obviously not working out for Cleveland. You know, the other really interesting part of this discussion to me, guys, is this. The most underrated aspect of team building, and I learned this from Coach Parcells and Coach Belichick, is teams incorrectly evaluating their own. And no better example than Josh Dobbs in Cleveland. Josh Dobbs was under contract with the Cleveland Browns. Imagine where they would be today with him. So, to me, uh, Deshaun Watson has a sprained AC joint, much similar to what uh, Anthony Richardson has. Um, and what could have been a great game between the 49ers and the Browns to me looks like a blowout because, you know, the 49er defense against PJ Walker, I, I don't see this game being close.
6: Uh, I want to stick with you here with this mic. Reports are that Kirk Cousins is not willing to sign his no trade clause. Number one, your thoughts on that news. Number two, how reluctant are you to sign a quarterback with a no trade clause in his contract?
0: Yeah, so um, I'm not surprised. I had spoken to somebody very close to uh, Kirk this week, and it seemed like that was where, you know, his decision was heading. He's um, a-, a devoted family man, like in a very meaningful way. And, you know, it's like anything in negotiations, like it's all about leverage. And when Kirk Cousins has Minnesota over a barrel and there's a non-economic clause that's important to the player, um, they're typically going to get that. Um, you know, any deal, there's parts of it that you typically cringe at and, and parts of it that you love. And uh, I, I philosophically didn't like the no trade clause because even if a player had the leverage to it, I did everything I could not to agree to it because it wasn't necessarily that one player in as much as every other player is going to ask for it, and then it just hamstrings you from a team-building standpoint.
1: Yeah, like why um, you give it to Kurt and not give it to me? I'm better. Right. No, yeah, that's that's a, that's a bad precedent you want to send uh, for a uh, – I could imagine the, all the negotiations that you had to do as a general manager, you want to kind of set the line and not let uh, – you know understand the bigger picture not just the one per player that you're dealing with at the time
0: 100% uh
6: also some news today Anthony Richardson quarterback for the Colts uh number 4 overall pick could have season-ending shoulder surgery. But, you know, gentlemen, and, and I'd love for both of you to comment on this, I, I mean, knowing what his skill set is and knowing what he brings to the table, uh, you know, that's a risk-reward, right? It, it's it's what made him so special. It's what makes him so unique, how he's able to create it with his legs. But when you draft a quarterback like that, um, you got to know that there's a huge risk factor in regards to the way that they play the game. Right, Mike?
0: hundred percent. And there's a difference between, you know, somebody who is big and athletic. Anthony Richardson is a a freak athlete, um, but he's more of a collision player, meaning he's going to break tackles and run through people. Whereas someone like Lamar Jackson, who's also a great athlete, has the ability to make you miss. And over time, just the data and the science, like those are the players that play longer. And, you know, Anthony Richardson in his short time took some big, big hits. Um, and let's hope he's okay long-term because he has incredible talent. But, look, if we were running the Colts, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. When we're turning in the card, we're saying, look, he only started 13 games at Florida. And, you know, can can he withstand the rigors of a 17-game season? And when we talk about quarterbacks and money and salary, you know, durability is a big, big part of this. And, um, you know, that's where, unfortunately for the Colts, like, that's something that I'm sure is going to be in the back of their mind.
1: I think they did a great job getting uh, uh, Gardner Minshew. I mean, that is, you have a starting level quarterback. I felt like they should have started Minshew the entire season to get and mm-hmm. kind of breathe him in, breathe Anthony Richardson in slowly, much like the Kansas City Chiefs did with um, uh, when they brought in Patrick Mahomes. He didn't start right away. He he wasn't ready. He didn't have a lot of uh, playing time at Texas Tech, and he hit the ground running. And I thought that they had an opportunity to do that with Anthony Richardson but the, the talent that he has the accuracy and the way the ball pops out of his hand i, I can understand why the Colts were like yeah we just got to throw him out there but that's not the overall best thing for him you know because he got he, he left injured in three of the, the four starts that he had so you're right mike he needs to learn how to be less of a collision athlete and he needs to learn when to, when to, you know, when to hold them, when to fold them, or when to walk away, and know when to hide.
6: <laughs> Look at you, okay, Kenny Rogers over there. Um, Kenny, uh, hey, you know, let's, wrong. Uh, Kenny Rogers. We- We've got another game in London that kicks off momentarily. Um, I know we've got our, our locks of the week coming up at the at the top of the hour at ten o'clock, but let's give the let's try to feed the people right now. I like the Ravens here minus five and a half. Um, if this does jump up to six prior to kickoff, which is in in, in about five minutes, um, I would use them as a one of the legs of a of, of a two way six point teaser. I, I think what we're seeing with Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson has been spectacular. Uh, this is a Ravens team. His wide receivers dropped seven passes last week, two in the end zone. One was with Mark Andrews, which we, we, you don't normally see. Um, they're, they're Finally, they're coming in. They're healthier than they've ever been. And they're the only team in the NFL that has not given up a rushing touchdown. We know that's the straw that stirs the drink for the Tennessee Titans. I love the Ravens here. Again, this game is about to kick off momentarily. Mike, what say you? Who do you like on this side?
0: Yeah, see a very similar, um, you know, I think what happened with the Ravens last week isn't, you know, sustainable in terms of, I don't think we're going to see all those drops again, so uh, I really think Lamar's having a very underrated year this year, so I agree, I I like Baltimore, one thing that's interesting, I love people that um, admit mistakes, learn from their experiences, and, you know, John Harbaugh, um, you know, they had their worst loss in his coaching career uh, a couple years ago when they flew to, uh, to London on a Friday, He's like, look, I had it wrong, and uh, it'll be interesting. They've been there all week, and um, I've been with teams that have done it both ways, and my I, I would expect Baltimore to play with a ton of energy today.
1: Yeah, I loved it. I went out there and I played uh, in London in the first international game, and we went out on Friday night, which was ridiculous. And then we pra- it was a it was one of the toughest, most grueling things. I felt like it would have been great if we'd got out there early and not let the travel be a part of the game it would have been a much cleaner game i, I love playing in london i wish they play more games i know this one's not in london this one's in Frankfurt. but man i think it's uh i think it's great that the nfl is expanding and you know when you're at the nfl and you have you know almost half the population watching the super bowl we kind of tapped itself out in this country we need to go out, out and show the world how great this sport really is
6: Last one for you guys. Got to make it quick. And that is the NFC. I am all in on this Lions team. They have the easiest remaining schedule throughout the remainder of the season of all 32 teams. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers and the Cowboys are in the top. I'm sorry. The, yeah, the 49ers and the, and, and the Eagles top 10 in regard to most difficult schedules remaining. And I know I touched on this this on last week. I'm going to go back to this. And starting now through the end of the season, the 49ers have a negative 20 day rest disadvantage to their opponents. Okay, and we know that the Eagles and the 49ers have to face off against each other in December in Philadelphia. Don't sleep on this on this on this Lions team. I've put money down before the season started that they win the division. I've put money down that they win the NFC. I put money down that they win the Super Bowl. That's how high I am on the Lions. I'm sure Mike Tannenbaum, you're going to call me crazy.
0: No, I, I like Detroit. I, I, although I don't think their ceiling is as high. Uh, look, I hired Dan Campbell in Miami. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in him. Um, I just don't know if they're gonna be able to score with, you know, Philadelphia and San Francisco. I, I like them though. I, I think they clearly are the best team in the North. I don't even think that's close anymore given the inconsistencies of Jordan Love and obviously what's going on in Chicago, and Minnesota. So, um, they'll get a home playoff game. I think they've done a great job. And, uh, they're going to be an interesting team. you know. I think they're one of those teams, a little bit like the 49ers, where nobody's going to want to play them because of their physicality.
1: Yeah, I think they're one of those.: teams uh, bite by- physicality, just the physicality makes them an outlier. All these other teams are trying to go, you know wide, all these wide receivers and all this stuff. These guys are Smash Mouth, Run it down your throat, and they play with the same kind of grit that Dan Campbell has as a player. I played with Dan Campbell with the Giants for four years. Great teammate. I I love to see him doing so well. and I think Dan Campbell, he has his team, just, just like Mike says, nobody wants to play this team because they're not like other teams. They're more physical, and they want to come and punch you in the mouth.
6: Yeah, I, I love the Lions, and you could get on them right now. Like I said, I already went to the window before the season started for them to win the NFC North. I think that's a done deal. Uh, but I love them to potentially represent the NFC uh, in uh, in the Super Bowl, let alone win the Super Bowl. That's how high I on I on, am on them right now. Really quick, guys, because we are up against it. We do have to go to break. I just want to share this nugget with you. You talk about the physicality of a team. Teams who face the 49ers – the following week are 1 and 18 straight up marinating that for a minute teams that face the 49ers the physicality are 1 and 18 straight up in their in their following game Dallas Cowboys on top, that, on,
1: to- on top
6: of that on top of that thir- they've they've 13 players uh, that were on the injury report this week and now they have to fly back this will be their third road game out west So, uh, just to say, I love the Chargers on Monday night. Uh, This is Around the League, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple-blended, triple-distilled, triple-cast, matured Irish whiskey. Make sure you grab a Tullamore Dew during today's action. And remember, when it's game time, it is Tully time. Stay tuned. Rich Samini joins us next for the Jets Report, right here on 98.7 ESPN.
2: Now, back to New York game day with Amani Tumor. Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks.
1: Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Now it's time. It's I'm Amani Toomer here with Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, but now it's time to bring on Rich Samini for the Jets Report brought to you by the engagement uh, experts at London Jewelers. What's going on, Rich? How are you doing this weekend?
5: Good morning. Good to be with my two favorite Sunday morning guys.
0: Well, it's good to be with our penultimate uh, ESPN writer. You know, we got Jordan Renan first, so now now, now we're,
1: <laughs> you know, the Giants, so the Jets. Uh, That's kind of how it works, I'm right? floppy second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at this season, right, and you look at you know the the you know we all know Aaron Rodgers went down. But Zach Wilson's came in, and how do you think his progression has come from last year to this year? Do you think he is uh, extending his career, or do you think he's kind of just treading water and hold just trying to hold the spot for Aaron Rodgers to come next year?
5: Uh, well, there's no question that he's holding the spot for Aaron Rodgers to come back next year. But there has been improvement in his game. I wrote about it this morning on ESPN.com. If you look at his accuracy, we all remember last year some of those games where he couldn't even complete a uh, you know a short pass, like five, ten yard passes were going into the turf or, or over receivers' heads. Um, his his completion percentage has actually gone up a few points on those short throws. Overall, his completion percentage has gone up about six or seven points. Now he's still got a ways to go. He's still only right around the league average or slightly below the league average, but. I think he's really worked on his footwork. It was it was messy last year. It was very sloppy. He had some happy feet in the pocket, but now I think this coaching staff has calmed him down. He looks calmer in the pocket, and his completion percentage has gone up. Now he's got to do a better job of managing the game. We saw you know an instance last week at the end of the first half where he just mismanaged the clock in the game, and it cost the Jets three points. But I think I think the arrow was pointing slightly upward for Zach Wilson, so. The last two games have been uh, somewhat encouraging.
0: So, uh, with that said, with an encouraging Zach Wilson, what are the keys today playing this fairly beat-up Philadelphia Eagle defense?
5: Yeah, Mike, and a a very beat-up New York Jets defense. So, um, yeah, I I think the key is Brees Hall. I mean, he's coming off a monster game last week, 177 yards on the ground. Uh, I, I still think... Zach Wilson is not at the point now where, you know, I want to put the game on his shoulders. So I think it's going to require a balanced attack, and you you want to try to get Brees Hall going. The thing is, Philadelphia's front seven is really good, and the Jets' offensive line is missing their best lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker, out for the year. So it might be it might be uh, some issues running the ball. But, I, you know, with Darius Slay out, you know, the Jets might have an opportunity to do some things in the passing game. But I think the key is just going to try to be balanced on offense.
1: Balanced, yeah, because the Jets are 31st in the league uh, passing. And, you know, they're, they're struggling a little bit. Their rushing offense is a lot better. But, you know, when you look at this, this, this Jets team, what do you think if any position group, uh, has really impressed throughout their beginning of this season, uh, or which which one would you say that group has done what we expected them to do?
5: You know, I don't. You know, that's a really good question, Amari. I, I don't think any one group has exceeded expectations. Maybe running backs because of Brees Hall. You know, he's had a couple of. I think he's sixth in the league in rushing right now, and I think going into the year, let's not forget, there was some concern because he was coming off the ACL injury and people were wondering, well, how much is he going to play? Is he going to be effective? So I think Brees Hall has probably exceeded early expectations, but other than that, I really can't. I think Tyler Conklin, their tight end, has probably exceeded expectations. You saw a couple of clutch catches from him last week. Other than that, it's even the defensive line. I can't really. I mean, we know there's talent in that group, but I can't say that they, you know, exceeded because, quite frankly, they have probably underperformed a little bit. You know, their their pressure numbers are a little down. Their sack numbers are way down this year. So I would I would probably say just like Brees Hall and 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 Tyler Conklin.
0: Yeah, it's sorry You mentioned that, Rich, because I want to go that other side of the ball because I do think this Jet defense has gotten a free pass given you know all the oxygen that you know rightfully so the Aaron Rodgers situation has taken up and then Zach Wilson Nathaniel Hackett but you know I, I had high hopes for this Jet defense of being an A this year like a dominant difference maker and I think they've been solid but I feel like there's been some times where they you know could really step it up and I, I think today is another one of those examples where hey look you know you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, let's let's make them play one-handed. And I'd be curious to get your thoughts on what do you think the Jet defensive game plan is today?
5: And, yeah, it's a good question, Mike. But what, let me also mention Quincy Williams. I think he's really had an outstanding year. So, uh, of course, he made the big uh, strip sack last week in Denver. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him as as among the top players. But so the Jet secondary, let's look at it here. We know, we know uh, Gardner, Reed. Echols are out, so three of their top four corners are out. So the Jets will be starting uh, you know, today. Bryce Hall, you know, who did have the big play, the scoop and score last week, but he's still a relatively untested guy the last couple of years. He's been on the bench. And then they're going to start Craig James, who was a practice squad call-up. They're going to have Tay Hayes, who is a practice squad call-up, and also Michael Carter II. So this is a severely compromised secondary, and the Eagles, I would think, the way their receivers, I mean, A.J. Brown has just been on a tear. He's uh, he's had over 125 yards receiving in each of the last three games. Just, uh, I believe he's averaging 18 yards per catch over that span, so you have to believe they will try to exploit what is a very, very injury-riddled secondary right now, so I think that's, and the thing is, Mike, they can run the ball really well, too. I mean, DeAndre Swift, I mean, I think he's fourth in the league in rushing, so the Eagles, the Jets' defense is really, really in a tough spot today.
1: Now, how do you, what are they going to contain Jalen Hurts? He's being such, you know, uh, such precision. You know, he can run the ball. He gets the ball to his playmakers. He kind of settles that entire team. How are the Jets going to get under uh, Jalen Hurts' skin and make him make some uncharacteristic uh, uh, bad plays because he just seems so steady?
5: Yeah, he's he's really good at all facets and one area that the Jets and this goes to Mike's point about how the defense has been somewhat disappointing, that they're they've given up the second most uh, rushing yards in the league to quarterbacks. So now you're facing Jalen Hurts who we all know is an outstanding runner, whether it's on design rushes or you know, or scrambles so that's an, that's another thing on the to do list today for the Jet defense is to contain this guy because they've really been getting gashed uh, by court, opposing quarterbacks, especially the last couple of weeks with Mahomes and Wilson. So that's another thing they have to. Uh, this is a week the Jets defensive line has to step up. I mean, if you know, they are who they say they are, with all these number one picks and Gwynn Williams and his big contract and all that stuff, I mean, this is they're not have they don't have any injuries. Unlike the secondary, they're completely healthy. So if they are as good as they're telling everybody, this is the week the defensive line has to take over.
0: You know, Rich, I'm really curious to get your point of view on this. Like, if we think about all four major professional sports, right, if we really look at this objectively, the most remarkable thing going on to me in pro sports today is Philadelphia's short yardage package on offense, the tush-push. And here's why. They're actually telling the opponent what's happening. It'd be the, uh, literally the equivalent of a Major League Baseball pitcher saying to the batter, I am throwing you pitch X, whatever it is. Or it literally would be telling, coming out of a huddle like in the NBA, we are going to give the ball to Steph Curry. He is going to drive to the right and shoot it. Literally, the, now look, maybe a month from now, a year from now, they'll have you know three different plays off of it. But right now, they're getting into the formation They are telling the opposing defense, here is what we're going to do. And by the way, you can't stop it. And it's a combination of the great Jason Kelsey, Jalen Hurts squatting 600 pounds. But it's really, if we really take a half a step back, guys, and look at it, like it's really a remarkable thing that's going on. And I'm just curious, like, because I know, you know, Sala, you know, been obviously a huge disappointment as a head coach with his record, but he's very prideful on his, you know, defensive side and, and how good they are. I'm just curious, like, what is like their mindset this week for that play, and do you think they have a chance to stop it?
5: Well, I think the Eagles have about an 83 percent success rate on that play, according to our stats people at ESPN. And you know, we asked Sala about this week, and he had a line that certainly resonated in the Eagles locker room because uh, you know, Sala said, "If, if Jalen Hurts carries the ball, we got to give him 11 kisses," and you know, not surprisingly, a day later, Fletcher Cox was asked about how they stopped Brees Hall, and he kind of smiled at the reporter, and he goes, well, we're going to have to give him 11 kisses. So that, <laughs> that comment by, by saw, so- and you know how this works, you guys. You've, you guys have been in the NFL locker rooms. I mean, those quotes tend to travel quickly nowadays. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, touched, you know, touched a nerve with Fletcher Cox. And the Jets, they say they're going to be ready for it, But like you said, Mike, I mean, they're not only doing it, I mean, they're doing with like Pro Bowl people. I mean, Kelsey is is like a Hall of Fame type center and their offensive line is filled with Pro Bowl players. And and you got Hurts, who's a great runner. So it's not just a schematic thing. It's a personnel thing. They got really good players. The Jets say they're going to be ready for it. They got Big Al Woods, who's about 330, who I think is going to be in the middle of that this week. And, uh, you know, the, like C.J. Mosley told me, I go, how do you stop the tush-push? And he goes, you know, it's easy. Just don't get into those short-yarded situations. Easier said than done.
1: Very, very much easier said than done. Uh, that was the, uh, the Rich Samedi Report. Hey, thank you for all the insight, Rich. Um, and, uh, you know, hope these Jets will give us something to cheer about throughout the rest of the season.
5: All right. Take care, guys. Talk to you next week.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That was the Rich Media report brought to you by the engagement experts at London Jewelers. Visit them at any of their seven locations at Short Hills, or, or shop online, LondonJewelers.com. So, so,
0: Amani, before we go to break, just curious if you had to rank, you know, our ESPN local, you know, writers, you know, Jordan and Rich, like what, what's the weekly rankings?
1: Um, I think Jordan was best because him. You even <laughs> got a little fiery. I, I loved it. I wanted to keep going on with that, but, uh, but yeah, Jordan. Jordan and then Rich was also solid. I don't know one A, one B. I never like to say one two. I like them both. I love to interview them both every every Sunday morning. What about hey, you?
0: Well, I, I just, I'm, your, your bias is remarkably consistent. I mean, you, you're picking, you know, the Giants to go 17 and 0. Jordan Renan's a better beat writer than Rich Tamini. I mean, pretty sure we're going to have the- Daniel Jones in the MVP conversation.
1: No, I, I, I'm fully, I, I like Daniel Jones, but if, you know, if you are a quarterback and you don't get out of the top five or the top 10 in the draft, you're just setting yourself up to, to be replaced. That's, that's the way I look at it. Um, but anyway, um, uh, uh, right now we're going to I'm going to go to throw to Anita uh, and she is sp- speaking with the Eagles reporter uh, Dave Spadaro.
6: Amani thank you so much I really do appreciate it uh, great stuff from Rich Semini. now let's go to the opposite side. Earlier this week, Dave Spadaro, who's part of the Eagles broadcast team, was so kind to join me on my show to do a deep dive into this Eagles team, a little look behind the curtain, what Jets fans can expect. Let's listen in.
4: Yeah, I think it really boils down to the red zone offensively. They just haven't really executed as they had in the previous two seasons with Nick Sirianni. I mean, they were lights out in the red zone. But other than that, I mean, you know, the numbers, which again, it's interesting you say that, and because really, last year the complaint was, well, they're doing well in the first half, but they're not scoring in the second half. And so, you know, it's really just hard to compare last year's team and this year's team. And I think a lot of people in their minds remember the Eagles in the NFC playoffs last year that they just ran roughshod over the Giants and the 49ers. So yeah, there's been a couple of hiccups, um, but I mean they're five and zero, and and that's all that matters. I mean they 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 get into the meat of the schedule, really the tough part of the schedule now, and um, we'll see what happens. But I think by and large uh, they're very very pleased with being five and zero. But it is it is true the first half they've just not scored as much, and I think the reason it boils down to the red zone where they had been in the top five, top three for two years. Now they're at the bottom of the rankings through five weeks.
6: Yeah, and, and thank God you got Elliott back there. He's just been like the the money man um, and just everything. And that's everything not necessarily a good
4: thing. Yeah, that's not a good thing all the time. You know, like he had the 61-yarder um at the end of the first half a few weeks ago he won the game against Washington with a 54 yarder in overtime great stuff but a lot of his field goals have come from drives that stalled in the red zone so that's something they're working on and I'm going to tell you this and you know I think with the offensive line with the talent they have with the scheme that they have I'll say that they will you know kind of um regress to the mean and that will be a good thing for the Eagles
6: Again, Dave Spadaro joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, You you talk about them getting into the meat and potatoes of their schedule. You're absolutely right. Jets, Dolphins, Kansas City, Bills, 49ers, and Seattle. I I think Seattle is better than what we've seen so far. Of course, that game is in in December, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, this line has been fluctuating. Very interesting. Opened up at 7, dropped down to 6.5, at one point dropped down to 6. It's now sitting at 6.5. There are a number of, sh- like, sharp money out there who feel that the Jets are going to win this game. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe... The, but I, I feel like both teams have... Um, or I should say are going to cover. Uh, both teams have a, a, a lot of injury issues that they're dealing with. So let's go through that. You know, the, for, the, for the Jets, Elijah Vera Tucker tore his his Achilles. So here I'm thinking, wow... Uh, Jalen Carter, who's been an absolute beast so far this season, is going to have a field day. But then, of course, uh, you know now he's out. So, talk about the defensive line. Talk about the front seven, and who we can anticipate uh, will be—I like to call it—active and attractive, trying to get after Zach Wilson.
4: Yeah, I mean, they, they, look, Hassan Reddick has really rev things up. Three sacks in the last couple of weeks. A bunch of pressures. Took his cast off two weeks ago, and is a totally different quarterback, uh, uh, rusher of the quarterback, the edge player. Um, you look at um, Fletcher Cox, who missed last week. He's now back. That's a good thing for the Eagles. Jordan Davis is still there. You know, the thing about it, Anita, is what's so impressive about the front seven, and it, I can go on with more and more names here, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, etc. The Eagles last year lost Gavon Hargrave in free agency. They expected to do that. And they went out and they really have kind of made it a bit better At the defensive tackle position, Milton Williams has gotten a year better. Jordan Davis has gotten a year better. Getting Jalen Carter, who is just so talented, and it's a shame for Jets fans that they won't, well, maybe not a shame for Jets fans, but for football fans that they won't get to see him this week, and hopefully he's back in a week. Uh, Fletcher Cox is back, feeling energized from the young players. Catavius Street plays a little bit and contributes. Marlon Tui-Pelotu, a third-year player, has been contributing on limited snaps. So, I mean, they're really good up front, and I know that it will be a loss with Jalen Carter out, but there are other capable players who are going to step in and look to wreck a Jets offensive line that has taken some hits, and I think the Eagles really have an advantage there. I mean, I really feel like the Eagles, for their defense to be successful, and Darius Slay will be out as well at cornerback, and you know Justin Evans out, put on IR as well at safety, for this team and this defense to have success, they really have to win up front. And that's what they've been doing. And a lot of it's come from Jalen Carter, the ninth pick in the draft. He's been everything the Eagles hoped he would be.
6: Yeah, there's no denying that. Um, you, you just mentioned the secondary having some issues as well. Both teams, right? Because for the for the Jets, DJ Reed is out. Um You've got uh, Sauce Gardner, who's dealing with an illness. He is expected to play, but uh, chances are he won't be 100%. So, you know, that kind of, I feel that evens out the playing field in regards to the secondary for both teams, right?
4: Yeah, I think so. And look, I mean, the Eagles uh, have been dealing with issues in the secondary injury issues all season. They have given up a bit, quite a bit, in the secondary. The last week, what they did to the Los Angeles Rams, pitching a shutout in the second half, was truly outstanding the adjustments they made they go out and get Bradley Roby off the streets he plays 25 snaps he plays well they gave a lot to Cooper Cup early in the game and then I'm telling you this defense shut the Rams down now it helps when Eagles offense is on the field and running it up six minute drives seven minute drives eight minute drives which this offense is very capable of doing that helped the Eagles defense quite a bit last week and so They feel like they're in a good place for this game against the Jets. The Eagles are undefeated all time against the New York Jets. 12 wins, zero losses. I believe that this team is taking the Jets very seriously because I think they just respect everybody. I think that one of the signatures of the Nick Sirianni era is that the Eagles don't go up and down. You really haven't seen many clunkers. And so I would expect the Eagles to play a good game with a lot of Eagles fans in the house on Sunday.
6: Uh, Dave, two two last things before I let you go and get off to your uh, your your Friday evening. Which please understand, we're so appreciative that you're joining us here. Uh, number one is uh, Swift being added to that backfield. Unbelievable! I mean, just you know, th- this offense was so good last year it, it, with him. The addition of him has just been unbelievable. He was great in in Detroit, but boy, has he shined! in philadelphia right like talk about what he has meant to this offense
4: yeah you know it's look i mean i think everybody respects deandre swift and his ability excellent receiver i didn't realize i knew he was good outside the tackles i didn't realize he was so powerful and ran so hard inside in between the tackles and so you know he's done a great job he stayed healthy knock on wood that's been his challenge for his entire career is his health and running behind a great offensive line, the Eagles run the football. You know, um, they just are good. And they work him into the rotation. They work Kenneth Gainwell into the rotation, Boston Scott, who always has big games up at MetLife Stadium. Get him some carries, get him some touches. Uh, and so, but yeah, DeAndre's been outstanding. Really interesting, though, you know, first game, three touches, I believe. And they, the fans are going, wait, what? Who? What's he doing? But then he roared back against the Minnesota Vikings, and he's been just outstanding ever since.
6: Last but not least, called the brotherly shove, the tush-push, whatever you want to call it. Two-part question here. Number one, why do you think more teams in the NFL don't do it, and why is it so unstoppable?
4: Well, I think teams try to do it, but it's not as easy as it looks, and I remember last year when when Jalen Hurts was injured and Gardner Minshew ran it against Dallas, and it was like a disaster because he stayed up high and took a pounding. So you have to—it's—it's—it it's, helps that Jalen Hurts can, in his days of lifting heavy, squatted 600 pounds. It helps that the Eagles' offensive line is extremely powerful. Uh, they have it timed up really well. It's a perfectly legal play. You know what bothers me is that the NFL. You know, the league is, I don't know if the league is com- complaining about it, but the media sure is making a big deal about it. And last spring, the competition committee had a an opportunity to review the play and if they wanted to vote on it and outlaw it, to do that. And I remember standing in front of Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel's the co- head coach of the Dolphins, and he's like, in his own very um, entertaining way, he goes, well, is it a legal play? Looks around, all the media guys go, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, okay, my verdict is keep the play in. And so the Eagles run it when they have to. They were four or five last week. They are something like 48 of 54 um, the last few seasons doing it. They have a terrific offensive line. They time it very well. They practice it very well. Dalen is an outstanding runner, extremely powerful legs, and that's why it works. And we've seen the Giants run it and get guys hurt. I watched the Chargers run it, and the Raiders stopped it with Justin Herbert. So it's not like hey, look, everybody can Tom, Tom Brady for all the great things he did. He ran an awesome quarterback sneak. Well, the Eagles have just taken that and kind of evolved it. And what you have is what we in Philadelphia would prefer to call the brotherly shove. And it works <laughs> much to the chagrin of the NFL, but much to the delight of the Philadelphia Eagles and the fans.
6: It's uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, and it's quite Do you fun like to play Anita? I love it. Are you, you kidding like-, like I like okay. I, I love it. I just don't understand like why aren't more teams doing it? And why is it so unstoppable? It's hard.
4: It's hard to do it. your quarterback has to be a good runner, physical, has to get up in there and it's it's just not a natural play. Um I think we also don't see a lot of quarterbacks do great quarterback sneaks and so that's that's part of it also. But, you know, the Eagles the, the Eagles teams know when the Eagles are in short yardage situation if the Eagles are going to do it. And yet, it's really been hard to stop.
6: Again, I want to thank Dave Spadaro, Rich Cimini, again, who did a great job. Gentlemen, thank you. Stay tuned. Coming your way, my locks of the week. Went 2-1 last week, so doing pretty well. I'm 61% on the season. What are my three plays heading into this week? Stay tuned. We'll have that when we get back. We'll kick off hour number three next, New York Game Day, right here on 98.7 ESPN.
2: This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today.